Hello. It is, um, it's our tradition now, isn't it, to have a Bible verse for the year. And this first Sunday in January is the time to introduce it. And uh, we've already had a pretty good build-up to what that verse is. So I don't need to remind you how it reads, because you're going to tell me now. So one more time. How great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. So this morning, we're going to try to become familiar with that verse in terms of its meaning as well as the words that it contains. And it's one that I really hope is going to encourage us, inspire us, equip us, inform us during 2015. So we'll be looking at it closely, what it might mean what it, how it might help us. But I don't know about you, the, uh, the Christmas tree's still up. Um, there was a mince pie in the church biscuit barrel this morning. <laughs> so I haven't quite got Christmas and New Year out of my system yet. So we're going to start with a very, very short quiz. Now you won't need a pen and paper and do all of this in your head. And if you're thinking, what on earth has a quiz got to do with the verse for the year, then don't worry about that. That's my job to worry about that. So, a New Year quiz. Just three questions. Right, you're on holiday with a friend or family, and you're out for a day trip somewhere, and suddenly you see something absolutely amazing, but you think that everybody else has missed it. What do you do? Do you A... Let it go. You can tell them another time. It's their fault for not being very observant. B. Shout out, look at that! And point to the thing that you've noticed. Or do you see, do a little dance or something to get their attention and then explain all about it. A, B or C. Well, probably B on that one, eh? You might shout to it and point, look at that! Right, second question. The amazing thing you've spotted, let's say you've been travelling in a tour bus bus through the streets of Paris, and the thing you've spotted is um, a polar bear waiting to cross at the lights. (laughs) Now, would you expect the people that you're with to say, A, hmm, that's certainly out of the ordinary. Yes. Or B, yes, it's a bit out of the box, I have to admit, Mike. Or C, wow, that's out of this world. Probably C. Because I would have thought, if you're anything like me, you'd want to stop the bus, phone somebody, or at least check your phone to see if the news had picked up on the fact that a polar bear was loose in the streets of Paris. Now, finally, third question. Let's say, that the thing that you've spotted is unexpected and out of this world, but isn't something that you can see through a tour bus window. Instead, it's something like a talent or a gift that you've received, or a kindness that somebody else has shown you, or a great honour that you've received. What might be your response to that? Would it be, A, to say, thank you so much, in recognition. B, to feel humbled. Why me? 
Why us? Or C, to tell others about the difference it makes to you. Well, in the answer to that question, you might want to, if you're anything like me, do a bit of all three. Now, back to the verse for the year. Because that's got elements of the answers to all of those three questions from that short quiz, either explicitly, but usually implicitly. And this verse has got five things, at least, that I absolutely love about it. Firstly, it says, in effect, look at that! Because in its original translation, it says, behold, or see. And here it's translated as, how great! And it has an exclamation mark at the end of it. John, the writer, is desperate to draw everybody else's attention to the thing that he spotted and he thinks everyone else might have missed. In the original Greek, it is an imperative. Do this. Look, behold. How great. That's one of the things I love about it. It's got that urgency and passion. The second thing I love about it is the way that it describes God's great love. God's great love that he's lavished. In the original Greek, it's a word word called potipas, potopas, which literally means, when translated, it's from another country. In other words, God's love is so great, it's something that we haven't come across before. It's something we're not even sure if we recognize. It's so magnificent. And we haven't easily got the words to describe it. It is literally out of this world. Look at that. This is out of this world. And then some things in the verse that I love and I hope you'll come to love as well. I think it's got a thankfulness. Thank you for your love. How great the love the Father's lavish that we should be called. There's thankfulness in there. There's a humility. Why me? Why us? That we should be called children of God. We. Who are we to receive that honour? And also, the difference that it makes to me, that we are called children of God. There's an implication in the verse of an undeserved honour, isn't there? Of an undeserved honour. So, those are some things I like about this verse. What I'm going to suggest now is I want you to turn to your neighbour, whoever you came with or whoever's nearest, just for a minute, 30 seconds each, and share with each other one thing that you really like about our verse for the year already. Okay? Just one minute. Turn to your neighbour. Turn round if you have to. Well, perhaps you shared some of the things that I mentioned earlier, or perhaps you like the fact that it's upbeat. It's joyful, it's thankful, it's family-oriented. There's an idea of father and children in there. Or perhaps you like the fact it includes one of the 313 exclamation marks in the New International Version of the Bible. It was quite, quite a long day, a long time between Christmas and New Year, and nothing much on TV, so I had a chance to count them. <laughs> or perhaps, if you've had a chance already to just... Think about it as fractionally more deeply. 
you recognize it as an expression of God's amazing grace to us. With Jesus as the center of the equation, that we are created by God, yet have rejected him. And yet, despite that, the Father's love has reached out for us. And the gift that began at Christmas, and we talked about only two weeks ago, of Jesus coming in the flesh and ended on the cross on Good Friday as he bore our sin, has seen Jesus reconciling us to God as our Father. So much so that this grace is expressed in God's ultimate relationship of him as Father and we as his children. It's a process that that, uh, the theologians call spiritual adoption, that we have been adopted as the children of God through Jesus Christ. And for us, it means really that we have become a full part of God's family and his children. Well, whatever it was you found to like about the verse, I hope that you do like it and that it grows on you during the year. And our simple mission this morning and the rest of the time is just to understand a little bit more about what it means so that when we pick up this bookmark during the year, we've got some points of connection to what it means and that our amazement at God's love, our sense of pointing to something, look at this, matches John's a little bit. And to do that, I think we need to get to grips with the idea of what it is to be a child of God. So we're going to look at three aspects of that, things that we're given by God's grace. And those are that we share a family resemblance with each other and with him. That we're full family members. And third, that we look forward to a family inheritance. And all three of those ideas are greatly developed in the whole of John's letter. And my sermon handout today gives some of the key references that link to the main points that I make. But let's start first with the idea of family resemblance. Now, one of the first implications of being anyone's child is that we might look a bit like our parents or our siblings, if we have any. I wonder what your most obvious family resemblance is, whether it's your eye, your hair colour, your nose, your mouth, way of walking, mannerisms, or just an indefinable charm, you know, that you have and share with your parents. I don't know what it is. But it's good to think about those things and sometimes we spot them in each other. I mean, my brother John and I have led completely divergent lives. When he was a Coldstream guard, I was a student. When he was a saxophonist, I was in business. When he now is a composer, I'm in ministry. But when we meet, as we did over Christmas and New Year, we both recognize that we walk the same way, that we've got similar builds and facial expressions, that we sit the same way, we use similar phrases for things, In other words, there are loads of differences, but we're unmistakably brothers. I believe, and he doesn't, which is another difference, that God created us both, and that some of those resemblances are things that are in the DNA code that God wrote, and the human and parenting and upbringing that he gave John and I. But you know, I, like you, share another type of resemblance too. I mean, in a completely different way, I'm quite like Mike Barton. 
in more than name. And I'm a little bit like Emma Coy, although I'm a different gender. And I'm a little bit like Toby Dipper, although I'm quite a bit older than he is. And I'm a bit like other people in this congregation today. What is that resemblance that we share? Well, you know, chapter 2 of John's letter gives us some clues. Those with whom I share the family resemblance in Jesus Christ tend to think that the same things are important. We're trying to live by the same code. We listen for and follow instructions from the same Father. And we look after each other. There are lots of differences between us, between Emma and I, between Toby and I, and so forth, but we're unmistakably brothers and sisters. Not in a way that everyone will automatically see or even value. Because as John points out, the world didn't even value Jesus. And we're not perfect, and sometimes we make a mess of things, but we do so in a way that Jesus' sacrifice has catered for. And although we're not clones of each other, we might respond in similar ways to things. And because it's his will, we'll encourage each other to hold on and grow in those family resemblances. We'll try to make it easier rather than more difficult for each other to do so. And we'll both, we'll all hold up Jesus as our guiding example. So, because of God's great love, love that he's lavished on us in Jesus Christ, we bear the family resemblance. Second, family membership. Now, if I was to ask you what it means now or has meant to you to be a member of your family, you might say things like, well, it means we keep in touch, we share news, ups and downs, we support each other in all sorts of ways, we try to do right by each other, we grow up together and we share lots of fun, or that there have been difficult times, times of separation and parting, but there's still some sort of bond that exists. Or perhaps it's been about learning just to live together in the same place. Or sharing things. Home, investment. Whatever it is. Throughout chapter 3 of this letter, John says that our shared status as children of God means that we have brothers and sisters and are members of family, of that family of God in just the same way. A membership of that family means that we're trying to live God's way individually, but also collectively. Trying to do the right thing. Most importantly, loving and caring for one another. Giving up things for each other. Trying to follow Jesus' example. He who laid his down, laid down his life for us. So there can be a sacrificial element to the love that we share in our spiritual family. So what do we do for our spiritual family? Well, it's stuff that we all do and that we easily recognize. We serve them. We help at shine parties, messy church, catering, 11.15 lunches, 4 o'clock church teas. 
We support our spiritual family in home groups by listening to them, by praying for them. We share things. We go on missions together. We go on trips together. We listen to talks together. And we give up things for others. Our financial giving, obviously, but we also send others out. And we might be sent out ourselves one day. Or we train as pastoral assistants, as people have been doing this year. To add it all together, we love each other, we share each other's lives, and we are bound together. So our status as children of God and members of that family means that we have an invisible spiritual link between us, even to the person who's sitting two rows in front of you today whose name you don't quite know. If you're a member of God's family, then you share a spiritual link with them, as you do with the faithful person in Uganda who we just prayed for, in the Ukraine, in Jordan, Syria, or the USA. We are spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ and members of God's family. And that's not just something that we give, but it's something that we receive. I've seen, as others have here, what a difference can be made when this family comes together to be a point of healing for a bereaved person. I've seen what difference this family makes when it wants to extend this church or develop a ministry centre as a place others can use and come to. I've seen what a difference this family can make when it really wants to encourage other people in Claygate to come and be a member of this family as well. Because of God's great love for us in Jesus Christ, we are full members of his family. And the third and final gift that is given to a child of God by his grace, John describes as an inheritance. You know, when John wrote his letter, under Jewish and Roman law, children who were adopted already and automatically had the same legal and inheritance rights as all other children. So John knew that when he was speaking of the father and his children, that his listeners and readers would pick up that this meant they shared in an inheritance. As Paul says in Romans 8, if we are his children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So we share in family grief and joy and in all the treasures of heaven that our Father has for us. Now John also goes on to say, we don't know what that or what we will look like, but we do know one thing. When Jesus comes again, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. So we're given hope, more than that, the promise of an inheritance that we'll be made pure, Christ-like, and co-owners with Christ of all that God has in all his glory. So because of God's great love in Jesus Christ, we're given a full share in the family inheritance of hope and glory. 
So in a moment, I'm just going to finish my talk by recapping some of the main ways that I hope this verse might help us this year. But let's first, let's just make sure we haven't forgotten it, okay? In the intervening minutes. So let's say together, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. That's right. Now, in the light of what I've said, just now take another minute to talk to the same person when you've had a bit more information about it, about something about that verse that you think now you might find helpful or encouraging during this year. So do that now just for a minute. Something helpful or encouraging about that verse. Let's come back together now. I hope you found there something to encourage you. And let me just conclude with a few points, I think, we shared that our verse for 2005 describes a few things. It describes a love that is so great it should stop the traffic. A love that is something beyond our experience that is out of this world. A love that's reflected in God's grace that we should be called children of God and that we bear the family resemblance. We ourselves have the hallmarks of grace. That we have become full members of God's family and are a community together of love in him. And that we share in the inheritance of Jesus and of all God's children. Now these three gifts are not things that we have or could earn. They're gifts that are received and if they're received in the spirit in which they're given then we'll want to emulate Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith and grow that family resemblance. We'll seek to honour that which has been given to us. And we'll want to repay that great love with more than words. Well, I don't know how you felt this verse might help you this year. Some of my prayers about the way that it'll help us for us as a church, just to end now, is that it'll make us a thankful people. That this verse will help us say thank you every time we see it and receive that gift with humility. I pray that this verse will make us want to respond. That grace received will also be grace given to each other and to God. That we'll grow the family resemblance and tie the knots of family relationship. And I hope this verse gives us encouragement and excites us. Excites us about what we might become a part of in his name, now and in the future. And I pray this verse will give us a heart to share. That this is not something just for us. But something for all all upon whom the spirit of love calls.